1: Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm going to throw it. Slam. This bug's for you. Soon.
2: They are carving up this LSU defense. They don't get no better than that, man. He's lapped up to short middle, Beatty with the catch. And he's going to jet his way into the end zone. Missouri touchdown.
1: off to Roundtree running left. Gets
0: 35 to the 40.
1: Left side on around the middle. This is the MazzotCast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazadcast. I'm your host, Brennan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? And this is our bi-week edition. I guess it's our Vanderbilt preview, sort of. Colin, I think the show today, since Mizzou obviously didn't play this weekend and we were able to watch college football and breathe easy and not pull our hair out, I think we decided we are going to go two directions with this show. One... Is Obviously, we're going to go around the horn and check in on some of the monumental games that did take place over the weekend. But we also wanted to focus on the real question that's coming out of the bye week and homecoming against Vanderbilt is who's going to be the quarterback? Will they start mixing up the snaps with Horn, with Macon, with Abraham? What are we going to see there? And we're going to start a new segment where we kind of. I don't know how often we'll do this, Colin, but uh, check in with the rest of the Mizzou media, sort of get a feel for what the uh, intelligentsia think.
0: Yeah, what do we, uh, what do we, the uh, Super Friends Supercut? I think we, we you want to just dive in with the Super Friends Supercut? Uh, yeah, because, uh, you know, everybody's got an opinion about what's going on, and especially the, like, the quarterback opinion are much more varied than I think they should be. Yeah. I think we both agree that we feel pretty confident that we know what they should do. Pretty but, obvious. But, yeah it's it seems obvious, but part of the reason we don't do this is like it's not obvious to everyone, and then there are um differing opinions
1: well, and I also want to do it too because I feel like we see this on social media as well as people who respond to us with emails and things that when the super friends start to have an opinion and start to gel, and there tends to be a narrative, don't you think, a media narrative that emerges, a lot of the fan base starts gelling around that narrative and that opinion. But it's no question that a lot of fans are calling for a change at the quarterback position because even the guys who may not want to change in the media, they feel obligated to address it. All of them are addressing the controversy. So it's...
0: And they would have you believe they only address it because people like us are... So fervently for a quarterback change, but they're addressing it because the quarterback plays becomes the focal point of every game because you know. it's one of the most important position in the game. And two, it's the reason we're losing.
1: And it's obviously being asked now at every press conference and media appearance for drinkwood So let's get into it now. The first ever super Friends super cut.
0: Back with the Press Box Super Friends.
1: Oh, That's a, a lengthy jingle. Yeah, I like it. Okay. <laughs> well, Colin, I think I want to start uh, where we kind of – we did a Patreon – Last week, where we talked about Rock'em Nations podcast, and you were appalled that I listened to it.
0: Um, <laughs> well, I just well, why would you put yourself through such well, blood pressure inducing po- torture?
1: I wanted to hear what. I mean, Colin, it's safe to say that Rock'em often has a different opinion than we do, right? <laughs> I wanted to hear what they were saying because everybody's talking about Sam Horn versus Sam Cook, Sam Cook, Brady Cook, incorrect. And uh, I listened to the podcast, and honestly, if I'm fair. The First half of the podcast, I agree with them. They were like, Look, Drinkwitz has been slow to play younger players, and sometimes to a fault, they're guys that can make a difference, and we've seen make a difference, and they're just not getting as many snaps. But then they launched into the Brady Cook talk, and was where they veered way left of uh, the cast because versus Florida, they said he played great.
0: That's the reason I don't read or listen anymore. It's become InfoWars, rabid, aggressive contrarianism for the sake of contrarianism. Yeah. You know, it's just whatever the consensus like common opinion is or like well we got to take an opposite opinion of that and uh, simultaneously stick our dicks in the fan's eye but nobody that is not trying to sort of be contrarian can have any position about Brady Cook right now than he is not good enough and he is causing mistakes that are costing us games and to say anything otherwise makes me question your football acumen you <laughs> know I just don't well He's the new Conzo for yeah. Rock M Nation. That's
1: right. They're going to truther him to death. <laughs> yeah, but but I don't want to go deep down that rabbit hole. I just want to you know point out that the f- you know first looking at the Rock M folks, they were talking about Brady Cook's performance. They said he played great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I heard a great on the podcast.
0: Yeah, if you guys like pick sixes and two uh, interceptions, game breaking uh, interceptions, then uh, that's great. By the way, just in case you guys didn't know, I don't know what adjective you'd use to describe somebody who threw two touchdowns instead of two interceptions. But two t- interceptions is great.
1: <laughs> well, besides being great, you described as great.
0: <laughs> now, I mean, I don't know. What superlative would you use? Well,
1: <laughs> they, they also went down a list of like all five power five interceptions he threw and made an excuse for all of them and basically put the blame on the, either the wide receivers or credited the defense with just being super, super I mean, Playing otherworldly. Out of their heads. How how can you not throw an interception if the defense is good? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) sure. And I wanted to bring that up only for this reason, Colin, is that I think people who are not Mazodcast fans probably sometimes look at Mazodcast and say, oh, you're reactionary. You're always ready to slice heads off and pull the trigger early, blah, blah, blah. But I just want to say this isn't just a Mazodcast thing about us thinking Brady Cook's not playing well because who would you in the Mizzou media universe, Colin? Is there one guy you would say is the anti
0: Mazad cast? It would be Gabe Diarman. You know, he's he views his football coverage sort of as the what you've described it as the yeah, he, Woodward and Bernstein
1: or <laughs> well, yeah, I always said that uh, I feel like Gabe has a sense of self-importance that he views himself, his job as being on the rooftops of London during the blitz. Like, Edward yeah.
0: But <laughs> yeah. Instead and we need of be covering more a, as like a, covering you know, a local college team. Yeah. Very tongue in cheek. We like to, yeah. we like to think of our podcast is not, we're a show <laughs> in every sense of the word. Like we want to be a show where we are actively trying to provide entertainment value along with the information.
1: He's the opposite of us in a lot of ways. Everybody sure. knows that. And here's what he thought about Brady Cook's performance. He on. thought it was great. Right.
2: Yeah, he was he was bad against Florida. Like that was his worst performance of the season.
0: So that doesn't sound like great to me. No, that sounds like the worst performance of the season, which is which is a much more coherent, like rational viewpoint of this game than the rock M viewpoint. And that's why like I said you, you. I think what you're getting at, Brent, is like we like to be depicted as just like reactionary crazies. Like no, the, the side we're on is the side where Brady Cook's not good enough. The, the side where Brady Cook is hurting us. Not the side that says, Brady Cook's great. <laughs> you
1: think that's more reaction?
0: Yeah, I think that's the nutter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're they're the fly in the ointment, not the cast When you told me that story, and you'd listen and you told me what they said, and I'm like, this is the reason I don't. I mean, it was I used to love Rock Nation. They broke me on the Conzo thing. I was just like, okay, now they're just I mean, this is just like again, yeah, like aggressive contrarianism. And anytime you feel that way about Conzo Martin and then start talking about it, it's the fans' fault, and you just and how Conzo Martin bears no responsibility for the the disaster that was our basketball program you 've lost all credibility, so I wasn't willing to listen, and then you bring this to me several months later about a quarterback who is playing miserably and I'm just like, why he just re just reiterates everything I already thought already knew
1: by the way, side note, uh, I saw the Kim Palm ratings are out, and they project Missouri to win nineteen games this year and possibly make a tournament. With a completely rebuilt roster in Dennis Gates' first year. And if that happens, Colin, I, don't you expect a full apology? Oh, I
0: expect – I'm sure Rockham will go on Twitter and, and their internet site and just issue an, like a huge apology about how fucking miserably they were wrong about Conzo forever –
1: they felt like he five years wasn't enough to build a program.
0: <laughs> oh, you could re- oh, you recruit. Yeah, you know who, how could you ex- expect to recruit to Missouri? Well, and the oh. thing
1: was, they're like, well, how can you expect him to do well coming af- after after Cam Anderson? And oh. I'm asking, how can you expect
0: Dennis Gates to do well after Conzo Martin? Well, and my thing is, I, I. Based on Rock M logic, I assume they're paying Dennis Gates, uh, assistant coaches, gajillion dollar contracts. That was the reason Conzo couldn't recruit, right. was oh, because yeah. they were just, we didn't pay the assistant coaches enough. That was the problem.
1: Well, without going down that road too much, <laughs> I, I expect that apology. Anyway, <laughs> what it leads us to is I think we're at the point where it's like t- to argue that Brady Cook's playing well, we're past that. We can't have a serious conversation if you think that's the case. But much in the media, everybody in the media, whether it's Rock M, whether it's Power Mizzou, whether it's the Post-Dispatch, whether it's the Columbia Tribune, everybody will use the term against Brady Cook. This one term, limited. Tougher than to $2 steak, Brady. <laughs> Not just, t- well, that's one of the excuses they make. He's, t- <laughs> he's tougher than a $2 steak. But limited. That every article about Brady Cook says the word limited. Now that is a euphemism. You know what I mean? Like the- Yeah, we use different euphemisms. <laughs> I think you said trash. But the, if if the newspaper's saying limited, when they're not writing, when they're talking to their friends, they're they're using harsher language than limited. Sure. You know? And the the reality is limited me is exactly what it means. He he's only got so much of a ceiling. And I think what I see the narrative developing amongst the media types is that, yeah, Brady Cook has struggled, but has he struggled enough to mean that you replace him as a starting quarterback at this point?
0: This is the part that frustrates me so badly is when I read these articles and or I hear these guys on podcasts talk about it, they talk about Brady Cook's game performances as if it's some sort of footnote. As if it's like, Oh, by the way, he also doesn't play very good in the games. As if it's not the most fucking important part of the calculation. Like, what's he doing in practice? Sam Horn's got to earn this thing. This is blah, 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 blah. He fucking sucks on the field on Saturday. What? It should be 99% of your fucking calculation. You know, the other 1% is, does Sam Horn look ready enough to play college football? Sam Horn or Macon or Abraham, do they look ready enough to play college football? That's the 1%. The other 99 fucking percent is, what is he doing on Saturday? And what he's doing on Saturday right now is costing us wins. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I, know, I don't even want to entertain this contrarian horse shit anymore. Like, if you have that opinion about Cook, you don't know shit about football. And I feel confident saying that, knowing that I don't really know shit about football. You know what I mean? I'm not a coach. I haven't studied it. I'm not a fucking professor of football studies, but I've watched enough football to know when somebody's playing like dog shit and he's playing like dog shit. Well, why don't we get into
1: what people are writing? We can respond to that because I think you know, a lot of the people who want to keep Cook in are saying that, yeah, Cook isn't playing super well, but we don't know what Horn will bring because we haven't seen him and Drinkwitz, who's Holding these practices and sees them every week, says that Horn's not performing as well as Cook, or else he would be in the game. And then we're left to take Drinkwitz at faith that he's making the right decision. But I think where we are, that maybe the media doesn't want to talk about, is that maybe Drinkwitz is just wrong. You know, maybe Cook looks better in practice. Maybe he does. But maybe Horn would play better in the game, and we'll never know that. Until you get him some reps. And that doesn't even mean starting him. It just means get the guy on the field and meaningful reps during a game and a point in the game that matters.
0: We've said it before. What conceivably, I mean, what, how much worse could any of these guys play? And I I'd also uh, reject the narrative that everybody's calling for Sam Horn. No, there is a huge number of people calling for Sam Horn. But I think from, at least from my standpoint, as I'm calling for anybody else, because the, to me, what when I, what when I see, the play is so bad that anybody else is worthwhile. He he's so inaccurate as a passer. I can't imagine making is any worse, and maybe he is. But you get it a, a you get better legs out of making. You know, you get a a tried and true scrambling quarterback if your scouting reports are to be believed. You get Abraham. Now Abraham <laughs> got his shot and immediately shit down both legs. Hot dog water. Hot dog water. But if he got to start a game especially a game against the Vanderbilt what would he look like you know a, a proven pocket passer i think you would get steady i don't think you get good but you get steady but steady at this point would be better than what cooks giving you and then you've got sam horn the unknown who is unbridled talent if the scouting reports are believed he is has to be harnessed but he is the mm. the prospect
1: unbroken like horse
0: yeah he's a he's a wild stallion so who's going to be faster and stronger than everyone else but can you harness it but the point is is that Brady Cook gives you an opportunity to start any one of them because he's playing so poorly. He's really giving Drinkowitz an opportunity, in my opinion, to play anybody else. If he was playing marginal football, if he's just playing OK, there would definitely be those detractors out there. It's like, Drinkowitz, why are you screwing with the recipe, especially if we'd won a couple of these games? But he's not. Cook is giving him every opportunity to try anybody else because really, what if you lost? Backbreaking pick sixes? Yeah. I mean, that's what you're losing. Yeah. What if your new quarterback throws a backbreaking pick six? Yeah. Oh, no. We'll be we, even. Yeah, we, we wouldn't would. know what that would be about, you know?
1: Well, Dave Matter in his weekly chat last week was asked many times about the quarterback situation mm-hmm. and what he God felt like him. should happen. And uh, he addressed it this way He said, Here's what I know based on what Drinkwitz had to say yesterday, yesterday being uh, the 12th, and some other recent conversations that I've had. The coaches would love for Horn to prove he can step up on the field and manage this offense successfully. He's getting the chance to prove in practice this week that he can handle the nuances of the job. It's not just about who has the strongest arms to throw a 40-yard go route down the sideline. He has to show he can execute all the simple but easily overlooked parts of the job, taking a snap, making the handoff, reading the coverage pre-snap, knowing where the sticks are, etc., Mizzou averages 68 offensive plays a game. Only five of those are vertical shots. That leads another 63 plays for the quarterback to manage from handoffs to run read options to run pass options to screens to short intermediate throws.
0: How much the offense is being (laughs) harnessed or or being bridled because of our limited quarterback. Yeah,
1: maybe the shots would get greater. Maybe not, though, because Drinkwitz has not shown that he's a guy that takes deep shots. But anyway, um, and when coaches make decisions on their quarterbacks, this is a matter again, it's more often about their floors than their ceilings. They usually don't go with the guy who has the highest ceiling. They go with the guy who has the highest floor. The one whom they trust God won't if mess Cook up. God, is our highest plate.
0: floor, God help us. God <laughs> help us. Um, Brendan, I, I think you mentioned to me in a phone call that, you know, like how dumb must Sam Horn be that if he's been on campus – I mean, you can articulate it better. Than well, yeah,
1: well, I don't think I called him dumb. I um,
0: <laughs> well, you were what you I dancer. said was you know you weren't calling him dumb. You're saying he anyway. Go ahead.
1: Sorry. What what I what I was saying was that one of the arguments that that he's not ready is that he wasn't here in the spring like the other quarterbacks were to learn the plays, to learn the team, to you know get broken in, to learn the playbook, all the stuff that they do in the spring. But now we're in the middle of October and we're halfway through the football season. And I'm so I, what I'm asking, and this is a genuine question, it's not me trying to be a snarky, is just that at this point, hasn't he been practicing? Hasn't he, he been learned practicing? this? Yeah. Yeah. Are all these things that you pick up in the spring, shouldn't that have kind of, we all caught up to that by now? Well, like, what well made me take? think of that
0: it was what Matter was saying about just like learning where the sticks are at and the handoffs and stuff like, whoa, what, a, who, is, how is a four star recruit this, uh, you know, just like, Raw? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, like, so he, you've had to teach him football, not just the playbook. You're teaching him how to play quarterback. Like, yeah. he doesn't, he was a, uh, he was not playing, he was a cricket player until now. We're just, well, like, I, we identified I mean, him as a guy who could play football. So we have to teach him the game. We know what a fourth down was.
1: It, it does appear that this is what's being implied is that he's really talented, but gosh, until he learns which direction you're supposed to run on offense.
0: <laughs> Yeah,
1: um, which end zone is his own. And I'll just finish this up here. Drinkwitz's <laughs> job is on the line here. He knows that, not necessarily at the end of this season, but his career ultimately hinges on these decisions. And he's not going to play a quarterback. He doesn't believe is best suited to execu- execute all those parts of the job <laughs> to put Mizzou in the best position to win. If Horn proves he can do those things, then maybe we'll see him get some snaps again. Is he not? I mean, maybe he. Maybe Drinkwitz thinks he's not, but maybe he can
0: this, him, again, this argument to me is based on some flawed logic where there's no conceivable way nobody could be better than Brady Cook is. It just throws them out the fucking point that he's not, he's playing terribly. Yeah. You know, he's playing terribly. He's not playing good football. It's not as if you're like, wow, Brady Cook's making this a tough decision. He's not making it a tough decision at all. Unless, unless all three of our other quarterback options had have, have amputations yeah. that we didn't know about in the last Month of the season, there is no excuse.
1: This last paragraph, I think, sort of is the one of the excuses used for Cook, but I think is also worth mentioning because Brady Cook isn't the sole problem on this team. But it says, keep in mind, no matter if it's Cook or Horn or Patrick Mahomes at quarterback for Mizzou, the player will still have to play. Through negative plays in the run game that result in 2nd and 14 and 3rd and 19 and offensive line penalties that back up the offense. The outside receivers don't seem to get separation downfield and the non-existent threat from our tight ends.
0: Well, and he's right about that, except when you get into 2nd and 14, there is no way that Brady Cook can help you in that situation. Because he's going to throw a 4-yard behind the line of scrimmage pass to Nate Pete in that situation.
1: Or he's going to throw a 15-yard pass curl route and that sails over the receiver's head into the sidelines.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- that's what I'm saying. He is so limited. Like, if you have any negative plays, really, I mean, think about it, fans. At this point, if Brady Cook completes a pass, especially for one of more than 10-plus yards, it feels like scratching off a winning lottery ticket at this point, because it is certainly not something you've come to expect at all. Whereas, like, if you watch a Chiefs game, you're like, that's something that's so routine. Well, really, almost any football game. But third-down conversions for a 10 yard, a third and 10 for Mizzou is you might as well just walk off the field at this point. I mean, what are you, what are the odds we're going to convert? So
1: this takes me to what Gabe Yarman had written about this topic too, because like I said, all these guys are addressing this question because it's a question that has to be asked based on a growing number of fans and us included saying, why not? What why not? Yeah. And you know, my question is, why not just, why haven't we seen him at all? You know, there have been ample opportunities.
0: Because Drinkwitch doesn't want to create a controversy. Because the worst thing in the world, for some reason, seems to be that he could play good. And that make Drinkwitch look foolish, which is, to me, the, what's going to make really foolish is when you fucking lose your job yeah. for uh, stupid, foolish pride. Well, and it's it's
1: not an either-or situation. This is not baseball. When you come out of the game, you don't have to – you're not done for the day, right? Yeah, like, you, can like, you can go, go back, back in. So, like, why don't you give, why don't you give Horn a series? You know, and maybe he does what Jack Abraham does. Maybe he coughs it up immediately. Doesn't look at it. You put Cook back in, and you you cost us one series instead mm-hmm. of three games, which yeah. is where we are now. So, Gabe Yarman wrote an article specifically addressing should we make a quarterback change for the second half, and he started talking about when before the season started, he had proclaimed that if Missouri was two and four at this point in the season, then he would go with Sam Horn. That that would be the opportunity and the time to make the change. And then he, he rolls on a lot of uh, rationale why he has now changed his mind and that maybe he, he's not against him getting reps, but he thinks he should keep cook in, in that basically we've been one play. Some of oftentimes outside of cooks control, certainly Auburn cook didn't lose us the game against mm-hmm. Auburn. Uh, he didn't win it for us cause he didn't get any end zone, but like that's on mevis and that's on Pete. Yeah. And some other breaks that just didn't go our way. Away from having some big wins and stolen some wins, and that, and if the season gets to a point where we're outside of bowl contention, by all means, put Horn in, put anybody in, because now we're truly playing for twenty twenty three. But I don't know that people act like if we put Horn in now, it's changing the page to, to the next season. But I don't think so. I think putting Horn in is salvaging this season.
0: Well, I think, I think he's a player on this football team, and every player on your sideline is allowed to play whenever you want them to. And I just feel like maybe Drinkowitz and the press are all assigning way too much gravitas to this decision. Like, he's just a football player at the end of the day. They're all just football players. They're all allowed to get snaps. You know, at this point, it's become a elephant in the room. Why not Abraham? Everybody's calling for Horn, and I get it. And I want Horn, too. That would be my preference. But why not anybody else? I mean, Abraham was a piece of shit. But he might not be a piece of shit anymore, Brennan. Did you used to be a piece of shit? Oh, (laughs) yeah, <laughs> People are allowed to change. People can change. People can change. People can change. You didn't tell me your old granddad used to be a piece of shit. I used to be a piece of shit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You're just a couple sloppy steaks and he can put them back in and yeah. maybe he's not
0: a piece of shit anymore. That's right. Maybe he doesn't have a slick back hair anymore, Brennan. Maybe give Abraham another chance.
1: Gabe referenced what Drinkwitz has been saying in this last week about the, whether he would even consider playing horn. Because some of it is this conversation is completely moot if Drinkwitz... It's just blindly not ever going to play him, right? Sure. And so when asked about this, Drinkwitz has said, playing time can't be given. It has to be earned. I do believe in Sam Horn. I believe Sam Horn is a very talented player. I believe Tyler Macon's a talented player, Drinkwitz told KTRS this week. And if they give us the best chance to win, I'll promise you they'll play. And we're evaluating, do these guys deserve an opportunity to get a series in
0: a game to show what they can do? Brady Cook is playing so badly. That has got to be a bald-faced lie. <laughs> it's got to be. If not, they're just terrible football players. Brady Cook threw a pick six and a red zone INT. He costs us. He can't convert on third down. He is a complete and total liability on the football field.
1: And Drinkwitz did say that when asked, that he would consider putting somebody else in a quarterback, and he keeps saying, if it's earned, if it's earned. And But nobody, here's a follow-up question. What does earned mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what is earned? Because what is well, un-earned? a day it matter, it's knowing how to play football. <laughs> but what is not earned? You know what I mean? Like, at what point does Cook play so badly that he's not earning anything either? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what is he earning that, that Sam Horn isn't earning? What is going on in practice that is not, quote-unquote, earning it because yeah. for me if he looks like he can make he, you know a handoff to a running back which <sighs> that's a low bar <laughs> but, but then put the guy in there for no. a series and and uh, another argument and I'm not seeing this from the media but from fan types who's just like but man this is offensive line's bad if he gets hurt you know that's bad and I'm like yes that would be bad but if we're going to make personnel decisions based on if somebody will or won't get hurt Then what are we even having a fucking football team for? You know what I mean? It is an inherently violent sport, sport and injuries happen. And if we have players that are good, that we don't want to play because we think they're going to get hurt, then – you know, maybe football's not for Freddie Cook hasn't bud. got
0: hurt yet. You <laughs> nope.
1: know what I mean? Like he's well, playing behind this line. That's because he's tougher than a $2 steak. Oh Collins. gosh,
0: that's right. I forgot that being a tough as a $2 stake is a prerequisite for playing a division one college quarterback. I don't give a fuck. I'm tough is something as an is a adjective they add to players who don't have enough talent. Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? It's like a. It's the good personality. Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a ubiquitous around all sports. It's like, here's a guy. We like him. He does everything right. He's not good enough. So we're going to give him these sort of pats on the back for things that are.
1: Well, he's gritty. He's tough. Yeah. You know Rudy I mean? was tough. Yeah. I mean, yeah <laughs> when you t- when guys at the end of the year have to congratulate their third stringers and never saw any action, they said, if all the guys on my team had the heart of this kid, yeah. we'd be winning a national championship. Oh, he's champion. got tons of heart,
0: Brennan. Heart. Heart's, heart, heart. He's grit, tough. He's tough, got tough, heart. Grit. He's gritty. Yeah. He's all of those things that don't make a fucking tinker's fart on a football field. <laughs> <deal. laughs> That's right. That's right. It's a tough heart. That, yeah. Uh, he's, he's, I guess we're going to start calling Brady Cook. His new nickname is Tough Heart. Yeah. If, if tough heart cook. <laughs> but i mean anybody who gets described
1: as tough i mean get out of football and start your accounting career because it's like it's
0: not <laughs> what is the what do they always say about the white slot receivers there's just a there's there's these little these little signs that, like you don't, you could watch them on the radio. And this, like, you just the words they use to describe them. You're, You're like, like, oh, that's a white guy. Yeah, that's a white wide receiver. <laughs> He's shifties or whatever. You know, I don't know. Yeah, but, scrappy. Yeah, I don't know. But they always like, oh, like you, I don't even have to. I'm gonna listen this game on the radio. I know they're talking about a white slot receiver.
1: Yeah, constant comparisons to Julian Edelman. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly.
1: The announcer dog whistles. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Sounds like a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie from the 80s. Tough heart.
1: Well, Drinkwitz specifically addressed this. He said during his interview with KTRS, first off, there's no doubting Brady Cook's toughness.
0: Oh, well, uh, we've, we've been,
1: been over it. He's given us everything he's got. There's a, that's the problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, what he's got is, as Gabe says, limited, as I call <laughs> trash.
1: There's a lot of noise out there about what he could and couldn't do, but there's a lot of noise about what he can't do. But the fact is, he put us in a situation to have an opportunity to win. That's another thing that I want to address. A lot of talk about putting us in a position to win, but not a lot of talk about winning.
0: You know who they don't say those things about? People who win. People who win. He gave us an opportunity. Like, he's the quarterback. He's supposed to be the reason you win. You
1: know, a week ago when the Chiefs beat the Raiders, Mm -hmm. kind of negated after the Sunday's result, but the talk, was good teams find ways to win right mm-hmm. like that's just happened when in a tight spot when in a close game good teams find ways to win and obversely, bad teams find ways to lose and maybe we were in a position to win but every opportunity we had to win we lost and that's because because of quarterback play because of play calling because of a lot of reasons we're a bad team and we found ways to lose, new and
0: interesting ways. <laughs> I think part of the reason that makes me so disheartened at what's going on right now is I remember the immediate transition from uh, Odom to Drinkwitz, and I was like, Man, our team just looks infinitely more prepared. I and then we beat LSU, and I was like, I think the days of us like getting kicked around in games we're not supposed to and just like shitting down both legs and way too many penalties and just. You know what I mean? Like being, playing like a bad team that always finds a way to lose, like this sort of black thunder cloud that Charlie Brown style that seemed to follow Mizzou around. I'm like I think maybe the cloud is clearing, and we're, the fucking cloud has reemerged right back over our heads. Mm-hmm. And the the guy who got rid of the cloud was Drinkwitz in the first season, but the guy who's bringing the fucking cloud back is Drinkwitz in the this season. I mean, it's like I it's maddening. Well, I'm reading the Ben Fredrickson
1: article from Post Dispatch that came out addressing this issue because mm-hmm. everybody's addressing it. And the media seems to be gelling around this opinion that even though this is the ideal time to start another quarterback, sure. getting off a bye week. Why would we week, do it then? They don't want to they, – they say – well, I think the media position, just as a natural opposition to fans who want to make changes quickly, mm-hmm. is always to say steady go, stay the course. Yeah. But Ben Fredrickson's taking a more moderate position where he's saying get the guy some snaps. And he said if if Horn can make the big play one moment and mess up the most vanilla play the next, he can't start. That would be a panic play, but if Horn can potentially do some things that Cook can't or do things better than Cook can, then he can play some, and he should. Give him a slimmed-down version of the playbook for a series. If he responds well, give him another. Get his feet wet before he needs to be the starter for the next season, and it sure seems like he's going to need to be the starter next
0: season. It's insane to me that given the things that are happening in football at the college and professional level every single day, That this slow walk, there's no way a freshman could. Oh my God, it's too big a mountain to climb. If they did the same with basketball, who's ever going to come to Mizzou? How could anybody ever recruit? Where would we do? What I mean, like all of it, they act like everything has to be done at a snail's pace. It's insane to me. It's and it discounts all of the data in the world happening all the time. (laughs) It's like we're still fucking it's 1940 in missouri and it's fucking 2022 everywhere else we aren't addressing the
1: reality of college football at this moment you know in in ways we are we're paying drink wits more we're you know bumping up our facilities but in other ways you know like look four years if you got a good player don't expect to see him for four years that's not part of the deal like red shirt schmed shirt you know like the, how could you possibly start a freshman I mean, guys are starting – That to never
0: happens in college football, Brennan. You just can't do it.
1: There's NIL money. There's transfer portal stuff. You can't hang on to guys, especially a program like Mizzou, if you're not growing. And we're not growing. We're two and four. Everybody's worried about people leaving this team in the offseason. We could be good next year if we can like, keep Like, get, get him ready in.
0: for next year. Like, get him ready for next year. Like, I, I agree. I'd love for him to be ready for next year. But what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Brady Cook is playing like dog shit. I mean, I bet – If an underdeveloped two-thirds of Sam Horn is as good as Brady Cook, then put him in the game. Because it doesn't take this bar. This is the part that drives me insane. The Brady Cook bar is so incredibly low, and yet everybody acts like it's a fucking pole vault to get over it. Incorrect. It's a what? A pole vault. Incorrect. Vault. Incorrect. Vault. Incorrect. Pole vault.
1: There you have it. So... D'Armond was also saying that he's changed his mind. He thinks Cook can play. And part of the reason he says that is one of the assumptions we make when we talk about Horn is that he'd be good if, we w- if he went into the game. But what if he wasn't? You could obviously do long-term damage to Horn himself oh, in his He's future.
0: a precious little Fabergé egg. He's never played football. Man. He doesn't know how to pick snaps. He doesn't know where the sticks are. He's he's made of glass. I mean, a million different. Is his psyche going to
1: be broken for the next five years if he throws a couple ints his freshman year? I I don't know. I mean, isn't that part of the quarterback's
0: job is to have a
1: short memory? Isn't that like such a
0: dump truck load of fucking excuses?
1: (laughs) it could do long term damage they also kill the buzz around the team if horn doesn't live up to the hype of oh, the I'm like, two and fucking turd burger buzz well it's saying if if horn goes in now and doesn't play well then the buzz for next year is going to be diminished but it's like well if he if he doesn't
0: play well it's not reducing the buzz; it's just giving us more information. Well, in my thing case, is, is it's, not as good as we. Have thought you was. ever gone into an off season where people are just like they they're like, well, the quarterback didn't play good last season, so I guess there's no buzz. Like we're not excited for the new football season. No, everybody just assumed like, oh, this is a sophomore year; he's got some more experience; he'll be better. And maybe he wouldn't be, but the assumption that somehow that it's going to hurt the football buzz because you played your four star quarterback? Are you fucking kidding me? Like this, at this. This is what I mean: aggressive contrarianism. They're literally reaching like. These excuses are asinine. Like, he's made of paper. He doesn't know how to throw a football forward. He doesn't know which end zone is his own. He's a freshman, and God forbid, you know, freshmen never play ever.
1: There's a lot of things to consider. Yes, Brady Cook has dealt with the adversity of having big mistakes around him at the offensive line, in particular. You know in why my Brady
0: opinion. Cook didn't transfer? Because nobody else wanted him.
1: Well, and you know why we were searching all over Hell's Half Acre for a new quarterback? Because Brady Cook sucks. We all knew that he probably wasn't going to be good enough. And what we're getting is the worst case scenario. Drinkwitz went into this season hoping that Brady Cook would play serviceable enough that we would have a decent enough record that we could limp into 2023. He knew going into this season that he needed somebody else. Jack Abraham was a stopgap. And the reason we got Jack Abraham was
0: he was the last guy on the list and took our call. Because he wasn't the first guy we called. No, absolutely not. So we we gave him more AARP benefits. And so he said, Mizzou, it is. And we were, I mean, the fact that we were scouring the portal for quarterbacks. Told you
1: all you needed to know, but we'd hope Cook would be better than this. And he's not. And we know that now. We're halfway through the season. So the obvious answer is to transition. And I
0: don't feel like. And I'm not saying it's transitioning for 2023. I'm saying it's transitioning to save this season. I'm not saying this because I'm reactionary. Because if I wouldn't be saying this if I thought if I saw something in Brady Cook that's like oh he co- he might have a breakout game like limited is the right word because there's nothing about his game that makes me at all optimistic that we're going to start to see a different Brady Cook at any point during the season like you, he just physically cannot get it done he doesn't mentally get it done either like he, he's not good in any aspect of the game really he's not bad at all of them but he's not really good at any of them and. Like I said, if I saw something on the horizon that made me think like, oh, there might be something out there. Like, for instance, Abraham. Like, I've seen enough Abraham clips when he didn't play for M- Zoo to go like, oh, there's definitely a scenario I could see where he plays better than Brady Cook. I didn't say good, but I can definitely, based on what I've seen, see a scenario where he plays better. Brady Cook has shown me nothing that makes me think this is going to get better anytime soon.
1: I don't know that there's another media outlet who is taking the position that. They want to see Sam Horn starting on Saturday versus Vanderbilt. And I'm not like you, Colin. I'm not saying play anybody because I don't think playing anybody else really fixes anything uh, in a way. Because I think even if you play Macon and he does well, or if you play Abraham and he does well, none of those guys provide you a future. Horn is the future.
0: I get that. But what I am talking about on from my standpoint, anybody, is I just want to win football games. I'm worried about today's football game. And I'm obviously worried about next season too. But I'm worried about... Vanderbilt and I want to play whomever gives us the best chance to win and I feel pretty confident in saying after watching Brady Cook this season that he that's not him it may be Sam Horn it may be Tyler Macon it may be Jack Abraham I don't know maybe it's none of them maybe maybe I'm wrong but I just have a hard time believing of the other quarterbacks in the roster that nobody could give us a better chance against Vanderbilt and I understand that Sam Horn is the future and he's who I would prefer as well because I would love for him to get some seasoning this season But all I'm saying is that I want to win football games. And I honestly don't give a shit about the name on the back of the jersey. It's when I knew people who were so furious when the Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes because they thought, you know, Alex Smith has been a good soldier and blah, blah, blah. I even knew one guy that literally jumped ship on the Chiefs, like quit being a Chiefs fan because of it. I was like, how are you so committed to a player over the name? How are you so committed to the name on the back of the jersey instead of the name on the front of the jersey that you've been rooting for your entire goddamn life? So I don't really care if it's Sam Horn. I don't really care if it's Jack Abraham. I want to win football games. And I don't care about anything else. I don't care whose ego it hurts. I don't care who the coach thinks is this or that. I don't care what the press box super friends. I just want to win football games. And at this point, I feel like it's very apparent that Brady Cook does not give us that chance.
1: Well, the reality is that if you want, if you care about the 2022 season still, if you're not transitioning into basketball— We have six games left on the schedule. We are two and four. We can only lose two of those games and hope to make a bowl game. And we are going to lose to Tennessee. Oh, you think? I think at this point, we can concede that. If anybody watched football over the weekend, I think you know that we're going to lose to Tennessee, (laughs) right? (laughs) In Knoxville. Yeah. So that leaves us one more loss we can swallow only. Mm -hmm. And we have to beat Vanderbilt this weekend. We have to beat South Carolina on the road. Which South Carolina's played better, and we're not playing great on the road. We have to play Kentucky, who just beat a ranked Mississippi State.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We have to beat New Mexico State, which I think should—I'm liking what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we can pull that one out, and then we have to beat Arkansas, our famous non-rival. Are you our non-rival rival. So we got—we're getting beat by Tennessee. We can stomach a loss by Arkansas or South Carolina. Or Kentucky. Or Kentucky, but none otherwise. We have to beat all the rest well, I of I do those. feel
0: more optimistic about a possibility of winning against Arkansas if we will make a quarterback change. That's part of what's so frustrating about this, Brennan. It's like we have been in games. We have been. I mean, if you don't just count the, you know, the Kansas State game, we have been competitive. And we are just a handful of plays one way or the other from winning a football game. And that's what's so frustrating. It's like if with a little bit better quarterback play, It doesn't have, maybe Sam Horn is the next coming, but if, if any of these guys could just give us a little bit more to get us over the finish line. Well, you know, Cook
1: hasn't been able to get us over that finish line, but people might say, well, he's got us to the point where we almost were there. I don't know that that's the case. He's got a tough heart. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to say, if you're going to list all these problems at the offensive line or receivers getting open as reasons why Cook hasn't succeeded, you also have to recognize that good defensive play, turnovers, breakout, runs by running backs are part of the reason that we were in those games offensively like he while he's not all the blame for our losses he he doesn't get all the credit for the Mm -hmm. offense that did go right yeah so uh anyway it really the season comes down to three games south carolina kentucky and arkansas Mm -hmm. that's assuming we get beat by tennessee and it's assuming we beat vanderbilt new mexico estates and new mexico state and frankly as badly as we played against Kansas State, I'm not ruling anything out about this team. I think we're markedly better than at that, that time in the season. Well, and the way we
0: played against Georgia, all, that's what I mean. Like, with the way we played against Georgia, I feel like there's a chance we could win any of those games. Um, and that's why I'm like, I'm so ardent that we need to make a change at quarterback. Because we – Kentucky and South Carolina and Arkansas are not so much better than Mizzou that – It's a given that we'll lose those games if we just get a little more out of the quarterback position.
1: Now, don't you – are you like me? I'm under the assumption that there's no way under the sun that Eli Drinkwitz and his staff will start Sam Horn against Vanderbilt. I just don't think that will happen. No, I don't think it will happen. Do you think he'll get snaps?
0: No, I don't. I think they're – I don't know what the plan is, but I just feel like at this point Brady – Cook has played poorly enough, and there's been enough opportunities to insert someone in a game that if it hasn't happened yet, it's not probably not going to.
1: I think that if he doesn't get a series, if Sam Horn does not get it, at least snaps, Drinkwitz is making a colossal blunder. I think that—, that He's making—they're certainly not making a decision based on football knowledge, football stuff. Last year, with the Connor lack situation, I was ripping my hair out because he was doing play calls and keeping this quarterback in— who was failing us at every turn. Mm-hmm. And people say, well, yeah, but you, you want to cook in. But yeah, we did because he was what we had as an alternative. And Basilac was doing. We terribly. also asked
0: for Macon at that time too, because it wasn't just a given yeah. that would
1: be cook. Right. So anyway, we cook's playing bad now. You know, it's a new season and we have more, we have Sam Horn. If Sam Horn were on the team last year, we would I'd I would call for Sam Horn, you know? So anyway, yes, he, he's doing things that make, make it decisions
0: crazy. based on data. I would love Brady cook if he was winning.
1: Drinkwits is losing credibility in my book, and it comes down to this Vanderbilt game. If he doesn't get the guy in for at least a few snaps, I just have to say, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? (laughs) Because why not? Why not? Because for all of this, the, the question marks, the blaming it on others, there doesn't seem to be a cohesive reason why you can't get him in for a series. I think I can be convinced maybe you let Cook start fine. Maybe I'm not convinced, but I'll let you say it. You know what I mean? Sure. Reasonable people can disagree, but there is no reason you can't put them in and play them and take a look at live action and Sam Horn. There's no reason.
0: Well, especially in games where we've been in, you know, this games where we weren't in it. (laughs) I mean, like we've, we've been in games where we were sure to win. There's been plenty of circumstances where you could have gotten Horn snaps. And so far we have just been unwilling to do it. And that's why I'm not optimistic that we're going to see it happen.
1: Well, Colin, why don't we take our first break, come back and look around the SEC, around the horn. Uh, How do you feel about our first ever super fan super cut?
0: I I like it. I like it.
1: We also, uh, I should have mentioned this at the top of the show, have a guest, Adam Spencer from Saturday Down South, will join us to tell us what he thinks about the Tigers this season. So uh, stay tuned for that. This is the (laughs) Guest. Hey guys, Mazzodcast is now on Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can join our Patreon page and get extra content from the guys, outtakes from the show, and any insider news that we have, we provide it there first. It doesn't cost much and your support helps the show. Join the Mizodcast Patreon and be part of the team. Here are our secrets. Joining us on the podcast now from Saturday down south, Adam Spencer. It's been a long time since we talked to you.
2: Yeah, uh, well, hasn't been many notable wins to discuss in the new uh, football since last time, but uh, you know maybe there'll be some uh, good basketball stories to, to talk about this year. I'm actually, I'm actually excited for that.
1: So, are you already transitioned from football to basketball? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it. You know, it's, it's uh, I'm doing my season prep for for hoops since it'll be here. You know, in three short weeks.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's true, and there is a lot of excitement around Dennis Gates. But uh, if it's all right with you, I do want to circle back to the uh, the football season for the Tigers, which has been disappointing, but in a way, interesting. I think, in that there's been three conference games, all losses, but all of them close, and a couple of them surprisingly close. I would say. I mean, um, obviously, the Auburn loss was one of the it was going to go down in history as one of the great Mizzou fuck ups of all time. Um, but they were on the road to a big SEC competitor who was obviously down and blew two chances to win. And then there was the completely unpredictable Georgia game that was competitive throughout. And then maybe the more predictable outcome we saw last week in Florida. And then that just leaves us where we are now. A bye week going back into Vanderbilt for homecoming. Hopefully a chance for the Tigers to sort of gather themselves, get healthy, and uh, recoup. But it leads into my first question, and I think it's the question a lot of Tiger fans have right now, and that is should Brady Cook continue to be the starting quarterback and when and if should we see Sam Horn play?
2: Yeah, I mean I, I've been saying it for a couple of weeks now. Like, you know, now that they're two and four, it just it you you have to see if Sam Horn can play. Like I don't even know early in the season they had Jack Abraham as the backup and like like I I have nothing against that or Jack Abraham, but uh like he's gonna be gone next year like he's a one year like he's already like you know like 25 or something like that yeah. like he's he's gonna be gone next year so like he he's not your future like i don't understand why tyler macon isn't the backup i don't understand why sam horn wasn't getting reps like if if you want luther burton to stick around and you don't think brady cook is the guy then you got to have one of those guys is as, as your top backup like every rep that goes to abraham in practice or uh Or, you know, in a game this at this point is a wasted rep because he's not going to be there next year and you're building towards the future. Now, I do think that this team can still make a run at a bowl game, uh, but it's going to be a lot of work and, uh, you know, we'll have to see if they can get started on the right foot. Do you think
1: do you think um, if you were? the head coach would you put brady cook behind center against vanderbilt or would that be your opportunity that you took your look at sam horn
2: now i think now i think uh i think that it's brady cook's show if one more loss though you have to you have to pull the plug and put sam horn in because you know like so let's do the math on the on the bowl situation if they go three and oh out of the bye week which isn't crazy based on how they've played so far you know they've played well like you said they've been in these games it's just they just don't know how to win yet um so you know if they can beat vanderbilt which is a improved vanderbilt team but they're still vanderbilt uh then they go on the road to south carolina who's been up and down and then they play kentucky at home and so like that's those are three winnable games kentucky hasn't been its usual self and uh you know, I would love to go three and O during that stretch because you know South Carolina and Kentucky are two of the teams that we should be on par with. And uh if you go three and O there, then you assume the New Mexico State win. There's your six. So, but if you lose one of those, you know you gotta you gotta see what you got in the same Horn. I think.
1: Do you think that Brady Cook has done enough to lose his job? Uh, I mean, I, I don't think anybody who evaluates the Tigers on offense would say that Brady Cook is, is an outstanding quarterback or one of the top quarterbacks in the conference. But is he doing enough to maintain his position as the starter?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, he's shown some good qualities. Like he is able to make plays with his legs, which I like. Uh, you know, he, he has made some big throws when they've needed it. The consistency is not there. And that's been the issue. Like, you know, there was a, there was a play against Florida uh, when they were driving to potentially tie that he just you know, overshot his receiver. And you just can't have that in that situation. Um And he hasn't really been able to get the ball to Luther burden a lot. And that's been a, a burden on the Tigers offense, I guess, for the bad pun there. Um, but he's just, he, he's, not like he's not going to be a superstar at any point so maybe Sam maybe Sam Horn is. I I don't know but you know if you so if you lose that fifth game then your bowl situation gets exponentially harder so then you have to then you have because if they don't get the bowl uh, extra practices they'll get like extra two weeks of practices and that's like a really great time for the young guys the freshmen to really develop so if they don't get that, then they have to get Sam Horn those reps before the end of the year, um, and so that's what like that's what it's all about. So if you lose that fifth game, then it, it's it's nothing against Brady Cook because I think Drinkwitz deserves a lot more of the blame for the offensive struggles. Um, but then it's time to turn it over to the to the younger guys.
1: I think losing next week wouldn't just be a math issue. I mean, making it virtually impossible to go. Uh, to be bowl eligible but it's vanderbilt right like i mean you look at all these games that you can win and auburn would have been a great one to steal florida you know that was one that i had targeted early in the season as a possible steal but vanderbilt you kind of have to mark that as a w and if you can't do it i mean it's not just damning your season from the number the win-loss record but it's you just lost to vanderbilt and um and so I don't Home know.
2: Home against Vanderbilt, too. Yeah,
1: homecoming game against Vanderbilt, right? And so when we've been talking about this, we've been increasingly frustrated with with Brady Cook. Obviously, the play calling and drinks um, use over the offense has been frustrating as well. But but Brady Cook's inaccuracy, I mean, just over constant overthrows. And, and I'm less concerned about him not using Luther Burden because I feel like Luther Burden has gotten some opportunities. And honestly, Luther Burden has shown inconsistency himself and in being able to catch passes. So far, and you know, maybe it's proud of going from high school to SEC play, but whatever. Uh, it's the overthrows, and then it's the interceptions. And I, you know, we were pulling our hair out, saying like there are Brady Cook defenders out there, despite the win loss record, despite his numbers, and making excuses for the interceptions. And I just don't see it. I'm looking for someone to make a coherent argument as to why Brady Cook should still be the quarterback and what he's done to deserve that spot because the, the seasons, I mean, it's tanking really. I mean, we are two and four and a lot of people maybe expected us to be there, but you know, if we can't score and it doesn't seem that we can, what is the harm of putting Sam Horn out there? Even if he's young, even if he hasn't had the, you know, a, a lot of people point to spring Yeah, he, he wasn't here in the spring, but like at what point does that not matter anymore? And you just gotta, you got this guy, use him. You know, at what point do you not use the weapons that are in your arsenal?
2: Yeah, I think that, like I said, I think that that point is that fifth loss and hopefully it doesn't come, uh, against Mm -hmm. Vanderbilt on homecoming and, uh, you know, but if it happens in Columbia, the other Columbia, the bad Columbia, um, on the next week, then that's when you pull, like I, you know, you won't find me defending that, especially that first interception that he threw. That was just a classic just robber coverage there and he threw it straight to the Florida defender for the pick six and and you just can't do that in a in what ended up being a touchdown loss you know like, yeah. that's, that was the play that was the play and you know the defense has been great this year like I've been so impressed with the work on that side of the ball Blake Baker I mean Drinkwitz deserves credit for that too because he pulled a lot of those guys out of the portal and they've made incredible impact, especially, you know, Christian Williams has been awesome. Uh, Hopper has been really, really good. Uh, you know, Jaden Jernigan has looked like they sol- they solidified the middle of their defense. And like, that was a huge area of concern last year. So Drinkwitz does deserve credit for that. But yeah, I mean, the combination of Drinkwitz's play calling in Brady Cook's inaccuracy and uh, in- has been just frustrating. Like they should have honestly beaten georgia the way that they started that game defensively and stuff and they just they just didn't they couldn't score touchdowns they got it to the red zone and then you know me was forced to to kick what was it five field goals that week or something like that yeah you, you turn one of those into a touchdown and you at least go to overtime that's that's where that deficit was so you know i i just think you gotta you gotta be able to like they're doing a good job of marching between the 20s it's just you gotta you gotta get it into the end zone that's the toughest part of calling offense. And that's the part that we're failing at right now.
1: Yeah, obviously in college, as opposed to the pros, you are limited in the amount of practice time you get and the amount of time you get with the team. What do you think of the drink with staff's coaching philosophy as far as using young guys or using the senior guys with some seniority and some experience versus getting the young guys in at what point, like what is a rational use for young players? Because we've seen all the recruiting, we've got these guys here now And I think fans are eager to see them play, but it is, you know, if you want to slow your roll, the guys need some experience and they need some, some time to develop. At what point is it holding off too long? I guess is my question.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I think you would hope that this program is in a position where they can get some guys some work against Vanderbilt late, you know, like even Ole Miss poorly against, against Vanderbilt last week, but then they hung like 45 points on him in the second half or something like that and got, you know, got to play some backups. Like that's a game that you have to be able to play some backups. That's what Georgia does. That's what Alabama does against Vanderbilt. So, you know, you got to get them some game experience there. I mean, they're targeting the New Mexico State thing. Um, But I mean, if we're just talking about, you know, getting that 2022 recruiting class, which was one of the best in school history, if not the best in school history, I think it was the best in, history but if you want to get those like that's why i'm saying like getting the six wins is so important because that's an extra two weeks of practice and you know once you have you know if mizzou does qualify for a bowl game it's not like there's a ton of guys who would be opting out because of the draft i mean they don't have a ton of draftable guys maybe abrams drain does you know i i don't know but uh you know maybe jeff coat does um but you know they would have two weeks and you know that's that's a game too with an exhibition that you get some guys some work uh so it's very important to get to six wins to grow that class for 2023 um you know texas a&m is on a similar timeline right now with you know having a like if jimbo doesn't win the title by 2024 like they're gonna pay his massive buyout like that's just how it's gonna be in in college station and uh, you know if 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 the 2022 recruiting class doesn't show some, uh, some promise early next year, then Drinkwitz is going to be on the hot seat. That's just the modern day SEC.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing, too. I mean, there's a lot of people that are saying that it's chaotic that people are firing coaches so soon, but they're also paying coaches like they've never paid them before. And so that's the I think that's the flip side of that coin where you're getting Drinkwitz, even though he's won the lower half of the pay scale in the SEC, he's getting four million dollars a year. There's never been a Mizzou coach that's gotten that kind of salary. And so, yeah, you don't want to have a revolving door of coaches. But at the same time, when you're paying that kind of money the flip side of the coin is that you you don't have a very long leash, you know? And, and so, uh, I don't know. It's uh, what do you, what do you project going forward? Because you mentioned Vanderbilt, Carolina, Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky has been up and down, but obviously they've been missing Will Levis and they look like a different team. Presumably he'll be healthy when he plays Mizzou and South Carolina. They had a good, you know, game this last weekend. So, What might have been a a vulnerable team, they may be better than we thought. I mean, what do you think this three game stretch coming forward after the bye?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm seeing it as you know a two two and one stretch, uh, which would be tough because you know Tennessee is is looking like a world beater this year. Um, You know, maybe they get caught looking ahead. I don't know, Um, but I'm penciling that one in as a loss. So I, I think they beat Vanderbilt. I think they go one and one against South Carolina, Kentucky. Uh, I think they lose to Tennessee. I think they get the the New Mexico State win and then, you know, that sets up like a, a got to have it game against Arkansas. And I mean, that would be a lot of fun. I mean, you know, that that rivalry is uh, is an interesting one because it's so intense with both fan bases saying that it's not a rivalry, but uh you know, I I think that it could come down to that game and that would be at least it I'll continue the entertaining aspect of zoo season so far.
1: Yeah, that would be – I think that would be a, a real reason for Mizzou fans to stick with football uh, while we have an exciting basketball season approaching because with the burial o- o- Odom drama and everybody, like you say, claiming it's not a rivalry, well, I'll tell you on our social media mentions, nobody's in these mentions more than Arkansas fans. For some not being a rivalry, they pay attention to Missouri um, – just, just to tell us it's not a rivalry, I guess. But it, you know, they've been struggling this year, and there's been calls for Barry Odom to be fired amongst the uh, rabid fan base down in, in Fayetteville. So uh, that I don't know if Missouri has got a team that's capable. It's it's a long way off to beat Arkansas, but I think it would do, winning that game would go a long way towards building momentum for 2023.
2: Yeah, definitely. And uh, if it's a, if it gets us to a bowl game, then all the better. Uh, you know, just. Just a great way. Maybe you, uh, yeah, like you said, maybe if, uh, it's an offensive explosion on a Barry Odom coach defense, maybe that's the end for the former Mizzou coach there too. I don't know, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's still some intrigue in this season, which is, which is a good thing, uh, considering where a lot of people thought Mizzou would be. And, uh, I mean, a lot of people thought Mizzou would be here at two and four right now. So, I mean, they've been proven right so far, but, uh, you know, uh, we'll see if, we'll see if they can, in- make things interesting over this next three game stretch because that's that's the season
1: right so you know we're halfway through Drinkwitz's third year here we've had a sample size for us to evaluate him as a head coach what would you say in your observations have been his pluses as a tiger coach obviously recruiting i'm not gonna put words in your mouth but what is his pluses and then what would you think are some of the flaws
2: that make it tough he seems to be really well liked by the players he's doing a great job recruiting like you said he's been like he doesn't get the attention for the portal additions that he's made but i mean he's made some great ones uh it just all comes down to play calling i mean that's really the negative like if if i'm if i'm uh if i'm mizzou in the administration i he's got to hire an offensive coordinator going into next year like that's just got to be like he can still call the plays if he wants to he just needs another voice in his ear uh, talking about that offense he needs an outside voice like this can't be a internal promotion up to offensive coordinator like this that you have to bring somebody in who knows sec offense and you have to give him some real power uh to influence the playbook and the first thing that it has to do is get rid of these long developing side-to-side runs get them out of there and they don't work in the sec they barely worked in the Sun Belt. (laughs) so like that's that's what i would say like going into 2023 if if Drinkwitz doesn't have an offensive coordinator, that's a problem.
1: just following up before I let you go on that, do you first of all do you think that's realistic? Do you think a guy like Drinkwitz would would accept that? Would I mean he he came here as an offensive guy, and so do you think that is realistically possible?
2: With the first part, I think it it has to come from the from the athletic director. So you know she has to tell him, look, you got to hire an offensive coordinator. You got to get rid of one of your assistants. So that you can hire somebody to come in and really control the offense. Like again, like I don't mind if he continues calling the plays on game days. It's just we need more molding of the offense into a functional SEC unit, and that's that's what somebody else has to really sit down with him and help him do. Do you think
1: that second part? Do you think that we Mizzou fans were either sold a bill of goods as him as the offensive genius, or do you think maybe Tiger fans? Bought too much into hype about him being an offensive coach, and he's just not as dynamic of an offensive mind as maybe we expected.
2: I think it just goes like it's it's impossible to really separate what like the quarterback from the play caller. Like uh, a great quarterback will make a bad play caller look better. Uh, a, a great play caller will make a mediocre quarterback look better. But you can't have a mediocre play caller and a mediocre quarterback like that's not then they both drag each other down a little bit and I think that that's what's happening at Mizzou and I think that you know for as good as Drinkwitz was with the transfer portal he missed out on JT Daniels he missed out on Jaden Daniels he missed out on Jerry Bohannon uh you know I don't know how much interest there is there in uh Emery Jones but uh you know there was another that was another big name transfer quarterback that uh could have potentially landed at Missouri this offseason and uh you know when you go over on that it, but like it, it, like he knew that Brady Cook wasn't an elite quarterback. Um, that's why they were entertaining all these transfer guys. So, you know, that's that was it, that was the biggest problem was that he missed out on those guys this off season and uh, uh, now, you know, his play calling and uh, combined with uh, Brady Cook's inefficiency has led to where we are now offensively, and that's a problem.
1: All right, Adam Spencer, thanks for joining us. Uh, would you like to plug anything as to where they can find you?
2: Yeah, I mean, just check out Saturday Down South. Uh, my Twitter is at Adam Four, and uh, you know we have a Saturday football newsletter that covers not just the SEC but all of college football. So, uh, yeah, subscribe to that at Saturday Down South.
1: All right, thanks again for joining us, and uh, hopefully, we do have a good basketball season to talk about later in the year.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I think we will. I think it's going to be a top half SEC finish this year.
1: All right, that's a. Uh... It's a bold prediction based on the last decade of Tiger basketball, but it does seem that uh, things are moving in the right direction so far. Yeah, I'm excited. We are back. Colin, the Tigers didn't play, but we can always load up one of our favorite segments. It's time for SEC Around the Horn.
2: we break our bread at Waffle House. Our teams are pretty good. We even play some basketball when Jesus says we should. So pour a little bourbon and repeat right after me. We built a church for Saturdays and called it SEC.
1: Loves football. And Colin, I'm almost reluctant to do this this particular week, but could you please fire up the Paul Fine bot? Okay. <laughs> Alabama,
2: Alabama, Alabama. Nick Saban.
1: Hey, Paul, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mizzou Cast Podcast. I, I don't want to tell him, Colin, do you?
0: K or S? I assume he knows, but I won't, not bring it up just yet.
1: The fact that he even booted up makes me think he doesn't know. <laughs> uh, well, well, I, let's save that one for last because that was not just the game of the SEC, but I think that was the game of the week in college football. Georgia versus Vanderbilt. Let's start there. Um, I think the line was well over 40. Georgia would win this one at home against Vanderbilt, and they do. The number one Bulldogs dicked Vanderbilt 55 to nothing. <laughs> that certainly looks better going into our game against Vanderbilt that uh, they were yes. so wildly incompetent against a Georgia team that we played pretty well against. But it's not worth talking about. Ole Miss, ranked number nine in the country, they struggled at home against Auburn, who we've seen Auburn play, and I was not impressed with this Auburn team yet. Uh, for a good portion of this game, it was back and forth between Ole Miss and Auburn, and ultimately Lane Kiffin's crew won forty-eight to thirty-four. They uh, Lane Kiffin seems to amass massive amounts of points as offense. When in doubt, just score points. That's Lane Kiffin's philosophy. I feel like.
0: It's not a bad philosophy if you've got the horses to do it.
1: And he has been in all close games in Kentucky versus uh, Auburn. He just pulls away at the end, and that's what they were able to do this week. In a matchup late with two ranked teams, Mississippi State, now at number 16 in the country, faced Kentucky, ranked 22nd. This was a big game for both programs because I think Mississippi was on the Mississippi State was on the rise, and Kentucky had taken a couple on the chin, and you know were in danger of their season going off the rails. They played at home. It was kind of a boring game in the first half. I think it ended the end of the first half. It was like three to three, but uh, Kentucky managed to get two fourth quarter touchdowns to pull away twenty seven to seventeen over the Bulldogs of Mississippi State. Big win for Kentucky. Like I said, it keeps... I was
0: shocked, honestly. I kind of thought Kentucky maybe would fritter it away.
1: I, and I kind of was starting to believe in Mississippi State. they had a couple yeah, of big wins, I mean. yeah. But it was not to be. So that takes us to Arkansas versus BYU. This was, if you'll remember, a road game for the Razorbacks. And they were actually getting three points. The Caesars line had BYU favored by a field goal. That was rubbish, and I think this is where you do see the difference between the SEC and other programs. BYU was going in here. I think four. They had a 4-2 and two record, but uh, they were no match for the Hogs. Lost 52-35, to 35, still put up 35 points on Barry Odom's defense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I, I, I have to think Coach Odom is scrambling at this point.
0: Well, I think he's fine as long as they finish the season strong. But yeah, if they if they start dropping games, if they lose to Missouri, Odom's head's on the block. I'll say that. I mean, yeah. if if they have a bad season, somebody's going to have to pay that price and I'm sure it's probably going to be Barry.
1: The next game was the Florida LSU game. Both of these teams have had kind of an up and down year. I, I it was not one I wanted to bet because I didn't think I don't have Neither a Neither much- team is any good. Yeah. So, uh LSU ended up winning in the swamp 45 to 35. Big win for Brian Kelly who's been I don't want to say on the hot seat since he started, but he no, not well loved out of the gate for LSU. He's an easy guy to dislike if you dig very deep into that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. The Gators season continues to scrape along poorly. Uh it just seems like one that got away from us. They're now four and three. And that all takes us to the big matchup of the week. Alabama went on the road to Knoxville to play Tennessee, a game that the Tennessee Volunteers have had Circled on their calendar for well over a year. Alabama, Nick Saban. That's right, Colin. I think you talked yourself out.
2: Yeah, I bet of, I was uh, like,
0: I think Tennessee. I'm going to go with Tennessee, and then I was like, yeah. why would I bet on Tennessee and until Alabama proves they can be beaten? Why would you pick against them? And um, I should have stuck with it.
1: They proved that they could be beaten because no Tennessee pulled off no. the no. massive upset against no. the Alabama Crimson Tide. No, Josh Heupel's crew won fifty two. No to forty nine. No. <sighs> There he goes. Yeah. This is going to mean a lot of repair work for you, Colin. Ah, uh, yeah. Saban's probably furious, and they made a lot of mistakes. Tennessee made a lot of mistakes. It was anybody who wanted to take the under on this game lost money because it was a high-scoring game. As the game wore on, the fourth quarter, tons of points being scored. Tennessee's for real. I hate to admit it. Uh, they
0: certainly look like it.
1: You know, Alabama. They fell from their perch. I think they're ranked number six in the country. I think Tennessee went up to number three after that. You know, there's, there's no way Missouri is going to beat this team. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's it's ugly. And I mean, well,
0: you're right. There's no way. But you know, the way we played against Georgia, maybe they'll get up for this game. I mean, because Tennessee at that point, what are they going to be ranked?
1: Right. It's who knows. They're a top five opponent right now. They're certainly going to. I don't know if they're going to overlook Missouri, but they're not worried about Missouri. No. Why would they be? The question is: Is there a reshuffling of the deck in the SEC? Is Georgia or Georgia and Tennessee the new powers? Is, uh, is the West Georgia down?
0: is. Tennessee is. Tennessee is going to have to sustain this. I mean, listen, they've gotten good enough to compete with Alabama, and they are never going to be up more for a game than Alabama. But to start talking. L- about them as if they're Alabama or Georgia is would be foolhardy at this point. They're gonna that, they have to have sustained success. I mean, Georgia <clears throat> made the college football playoffs and then they won a national championship. Alabama's been doing that for literally years. I mean, these are two they have not crossed all of those bridges yet.
1: I do think it's safe to say that there's been a power shift in the SEC. If
0: Alabama and Tennessee played ten times right now, I bet Alabama wins. Still, wins seven of them.
1: Yeah, well, it's possible, but they only get one shot at it, and with with Tennessee pulling off this big win and Georgia obviously being very good. Bama's still a good team, but you go down the list of, of other teams in the West that you thought would be good or that had a chance. AM, I mean they're shitting the bed. Auburn doesn't look good. Arkansas doesn't look very good is when, you know, Ole Miss is still undefeated at this point, but their biggest challenges lie ahead for them. Mississippi State, they've taken a few on the chin. Like the West is down. I think, I mean, I'm not crazy for saying that, am I? No. Let's look ahead to next week to see how this season is going to progress. Tennessee is basically having a bye, taking on UT Martin. That's a pay-me-money game. Uh, Like I said, they're number three in the country now. Ole Miss will be headed to Baton Rouge to play LSU. LSU doesn't look great, but they are 5-2, and and this is a game I don't think Ole Miss is ever going to overlook going into Death Valley to play LSU. It'll be a big matchup.
0: Well, and it's, a, it's a testament to teams like LSU that regardless of when they're down or they're up, teams circle their name on a calendar.
1: Well, and the, and the Vegas line on it is even right now, so it's a pick em.
0: I think that was always sort of the reason I used to get aggravated with Tennessee is because Alabama was a program that good, bad, or indifferent, when teams were going to play Alabama, they circled that game. And when they played LSU, they circled that game. They weren't circling the Tennessee game, yeah. You know, and they're circling the Georgia game now, and maybe they'll Tennessee will get the point. But Tennessee thought they were like Alabama. We're like, it doesn't matter if Alabama's up or down. We're playing Alabama. That means something. Tennessee, not to take anything away from the program, they're doing great right now. But they were not that. Nobody looked at Tennessee and be like, hey, we got several games on the list. We're like, make sure you circle Tennessee. That's like, no, fucking Tennessee was not Alabama.
1: Yeah, I've been good for thirty years.
0: Well, and, and that's what all. I mean. They think, but you know, like. Look at it this way. If you're going to play Notre Dame, everybody's going to circle that game. If you're going to play Ohio State, everybody's going to circle that game. You're going to play Alabama, everybody's going to circle that game. <clears throat> you're going to play LSU, people are going to circle that game. You play Tennessee, people don't – You do you, you feel what I'm stepping in?
1: I smell it. No, I agree. Alabama is going to lick their wounds, and who do you think the unlucky victim is going to be, Colin? God, take?
0: the bloodletting. It,
1: it's going to be in Tuscaloosa too. Number 24, Mississippi State coming
0: fresh off of their loss. So
2: nothing made me happier
0: than what Mississippi State beat them. <laughs> well, it's the kind
1: of crazy shit that Mike Leach could do. You know, mm-hmm, that's sure. a very Mike Leach move. There's not, certainly got nothing to lose. I don't think anybody's picking them in this game. Alabama is a three touchdown favorite going in here. That takes us to Texas A&M playing at South Carolina. Texas A&M is three and three. South Carolina is now four and two. I think if this is, south carolina's opportunity to prove that they actually are riding the ship and things are better than they initially thought out of the gate because if you do beat texas a and m south carolina goes to five and two on the season carolina jackpot can breathe a little easier than it maybe he did in week three sure and then of course that leads us to our final game of the week which is missouri hosting vanderbilt for homecoming Missouri is a two-touchdown favorite at home. It's a 3 o'clock game on SEC Network. Thank goodness they didn't give us an 11 o'clock start. We dearly deserve it.
0: Well, and I think with against a team like Vanderbilt, hopefully, I don't think the, the running game is bad. I think the running game is pretty good. I think part of Missouri's problem is they get down so quickly that they have to start relying more on Brady Cook than anyone would ever want to. Um, but a game like Vanderbilt, if you can get up early, you can have guys like uh, Cody Schrader and and Nate Pete have field days. Yeah, you know because you just can't you just can't rely on the run when you're scrambling for points. I think that that's what I'm looking forward to. I think you could see the running back core's best game.
1: Well, and it could be a great opportunity for Luther Burden to cut his teeth a little bit more.
0: Well, like I said, Luther Burden is as um, hamstrung by Brady Cook as anybody. You know, what I mean, I just I don't. I think everybody, the enthusiasm for, my enthusiasm for Burden is completely dashed because I, nobody can, on the roster, or apparently can deliver him the ball because if Brady Cook's the best quarterback on the roster and he can't do it, well then nobody else can either.
1: And it takes us into our uh, segment we do each and every week, Colin. It's time for Kansas News.
2: I was, heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas, sunshine, sunflowers, and sons of bitches. This is Kansas News.
1: First story of the day. Accused of being as bad as guys in 101 Dalmatians, Wichita mayor clarifies crematorium vote. <laughs> Okay, he's going to need to clarify that for me. Well, Wichita Mayor Brandon Whipple clarified confusion in a recent vote approving nearly five hundred thousand dollars for a new crematorium in the city's animal shelter. In a live stream posted to his campaign Facebook page Saturday, Whipple addressed some pressure he and other city leadership had been under since the vote was approved. The crematoriums in the Wichita animal shelter aren't just used for puppies," said Whipple. Some of the comments and emails I've gotten have pretty much accused us of being as bad as the guys in 101 Dalmatians. Rescue dog owner Sunday said they understood why animal activists could be upset without additional context. They're part of you. They're like part of your family, said Michaela Moore, and it's like your kids pretty much. Whipple said he doesn't want said someone without kids. <laughs> Whipple said he doesn't want anyone to get the wrong impressions about what the crematorium is used for and how desperately the equipment equipment is needed. City right
0: man- now we're just throwing them in a ditch behind the behind the veterinary clinic and it's starting to really smell. You guys gotta let us have this crematorium.
1: Look, I've eaten as much dog as I can eat.
0: <laughs> My freezer is plum full.
1: <laughs> city manager Bob Layton told City Council members that the equipment for the crematorium was supposed to last about ten years the city 's current equipment needs to be replaced. This is where we dispose of roadkill, said Whipple, and we use it to dispose of criminal evidence so if we have a ton of fentanyl or whatnot, we use the crematoriums to dispose of that kind of stuff sure you do yeah mm-hmm. the fentanyl's in the crematorium that 's what they that 's what they'd have you believe mm-hmm. yeah don 't check my desk drawer yeah uh, Whipple said the city does euthanize some animals, but it has a non-kill rate of 95 percent most of the animals that whipple said are euthanized by the city are either dangerous suffering or have been requested to be euthanized by their owners
0: so i guess people bleeding hearts were just like oh I guess they're just throwing living dogs in there all the time just for shits and giggles
1: well, well yeah well, the, it's part of the city government yeah. keep the streets clean make sure the schools are running burn alive puppies <laughs> yeah exactly uh we are about community safety on well, their defense it is kansas yeah that's right Uh, Burning puppies Puppies doesn't sound that far-fetched. That's all they got to do on the weekends. We are a community about safety, said Whipple. It means that if there are packs of dogs that went feral and are attacking children...
0: Which happens in Kansas literally all the time. We're
1: going to take those animals off the street and throw them in an open flame.
0: (laughs) That's right. What they don't tell you is the uh, local food bank is the most aggravated by this.
1: (laughs) Rescue dog owners are encouraging people to go out and adopt a dog if you're willing before it really is too late and they go into a Kansas furnace.
0: (laughs) This is Kansas, by the way. I mean, like the crematorium is the best possible case scenario for a dog because most (laughs) dog owners are just like, where's my uh, hefty bag, a brick, uh, and a pond? That's how they're going to get rid of their puppies.
1: Or they view it as a date. (laughs) Drunk fight with minor lands Kansas man behind bars. Been there. After he got into a physical altercation with a minor, while under the influence of alcohol, a Kansas man is spending time behind bars. Police officers say just around 4.10 p.m., officers were called to the 900 block of Oak Street in Valley Falls, Kansas. When officials arrived, they found John Jeffries, age 41, locked into a physical altercation with a minor. He was also reported to be under the influence of alcohol. Jeffries was booked into jail for battery, endangering a child, and remains behind bars with no bonds set. So uh just, I don't know. I didn't know they jailed people in Kansas for fighting with kids.
0: Brings up a digression, but I <clears throat> went to a football game, a yeah. high school football game a few weeks ago. And sure. my wife, they were, they, we were, we had to sit right behind the student section because it was a, the, it was jam-packed. And so these students were being students, which, you know, they're being kids. And so they somebody threw a... A, a bottle, a plastic like Mountain Dew bottle, and nearly hit my wife in the head and my child that she was holding, and so my wife just lost her shit, like you know, ah, you know, knock it off, whatever. And there was this girl down there, like f- a few rows down, like this uh, obese gutter mouth trash bag, and uh, she's just like, "Fuck that bitch!" I will tell that bitch that, you know. I'm like, oh god, I hope my wife doesn't hear this because she's gonna be, you know, what I mean, like, I don't, you know, I'm trying not to hear it, and I'm just like, am I gonna have to? Like, well, how do you handle that situation? Go find a principal and turn them in. You know what I mean? Like, or what, I mean, like.
1: How do you diffuse it when you Yeah. You're like,
0: or it. do I go down and, and, um, get in the face of a, of a 17 year old girl who's been raised by fucking rabid raccoons? Uh, because that's, you know, pretty obviously who this person was. And it's like, you know, she's, she's eager for the fray.
1: Right. Too eager.
0: I'm, way too eager. And it's like, I'm a grown man. So there's like, there's no scenario where this ends positively. No. You know, not I mean, for like you. they're not for me. Like, okay, I I I was just like I it just made me think of it. I hadn't thought about that till that night. It was like how uncomfortable I was. Like, God, I I how badly I want this situation to de escalate.
1: <laughs> well, that's a Kansas weekend. And <laughs> Yeah,
0: I felt like I was in Kansas, Mernon.
1: Yeah. I'm sure you did. Well, it takes us to our final story of the day, Colin. Kansas Jayhawks, as you might be aware, were 5-1 and one heading into this weekend, ranked 19 in the country. Wow. Top 25 ranking, taking on the Oklahoma Sooners. You talked about a game that teams circle.
0: Yeah, Oklahoma. That's yeah. definitely. And Oklahoma's bad right now. So that's that's right.
1: right. I think if you saw some of the games that – some of the turds that Oklahoma's been laying, mm-hmm. I'm sure the Kansas folks were circling this game. Well, in mean, the beginning of the everybody season. Everybody
0: circles a game against Oklahoma.
1: Well, this bad Oklahoma team Terrible Oklahoma team, ended up putting 52 points on Kansas. Hmm. Kansas scored a lot, 42, but it f- was far from enough. And so Kansas mm-hmm. takes it on the chin. Their miracle season has been deflated.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's still a miracle season considering how much they've been winning uh, in the years past. But 42 on Oklahoma. Well, and 19 is too high, and I think everybody knew it. And, but everybody loved the story because Kansas has been so bad for so long. But I think everybody knew they weren't that good. They had just they had played better. The schedule worked out for them. Uh, they would snuck up on some people, but you knew once they played teams that were like actually good, we <laughs> were going to start losing football games.
1: Well, and you've got Kansas now going next week to Baylor in Waco. That's a loss. They're an eight point underdog. That yeah. tells you anything yeah. about what the trajectory of the season looks like. So that'll do it for Kansas news. Hey, Colin, I uh, obviously we don't have a player of the game this week because uh, there was no game. But I do have a nominee for TJ Moe's Deuce, Deuce of the, the week. week. Okay. I uh, Can we just nominate Tennessee's
0: entire fan base? Yeah. Oh, for sure.
1: I mean, if, you see all – They did
0: not handle it with class.
1: <laughs> yes. They handled it with all the dignity and dem- demure restraint, I think, that you would expect from Tennessee fans. From January
0: 6th. Protesters. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the same amount of restraint and rational thought was used. And uh, I mean, they were just screaming and throwing things at Alabama fans. There are wild reports all over Twitter of Tennessee fans just acting the fool.
0: Well, what bothered me. I was so Mizzou. And I know you guys, many of you listening, probably are not old enough to remember this, but when Mizzou would win a game worthy of ripping the goalpost down, they marched them all the way down to the bar district. Harpos. They take it to Harpos. They start sawing it up and giving it away as, as, uh, um, souvenirs, souvenirs, which is a great tradition, a wonderful tradition. I love it. And a quick story. One of the games that I can't even remember who we beat. It's been way too long ago, but I went to a game with Brendan and one of our cousin, Danny Joe and, uh, I watched them carry the goalpost out of the stadium. You know how those fancy cars get to park right next to the stadium? Yeah. Well, they had to take the fucking goalpost out at a very awkward angle out of these – these entryways because they're obviously not built to carry goalposts through and they just drug this fucking goalpost down the side of this white bmw and just, weee, and just the, the giant fucking glowing yellow fucking paint souvenir room. oh fuck <laughs> that was one cool thing I ever saw anyway so that's what mizzou fans do when they get to tear down a goalpost you know what tennessee fans did with their goalposts printed? chuck them in the river they threw it in a river <laughs> like you know what we should do pollute the river <laughs> Let's throw this big metal
1: painted thing in the river. <laughs> to be fair, it's probably the safest thing that's been tossed <laughs> into the Tennessee River.
0: I was just like, "Why are you taking it to a river? What the fuck? <laughs> just chuck it in the river." Yeah, just chuck it in the river. That's what they do with their you know bat- car batteries and old microwaves and stuff. Uh-huh. So why not? Yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> so they uh, you know just various accounts of Tennessee fans acting like Tennessee fans. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I think I just wanted to. Acknowledge that and say, hey, Tennessee fans, congratulations on the win. You're still the fucking worst. Deuce of the week. Deuce of the week.
0: Anything else you wanted to cover in this uh, wild off? No, I honestly can't believe we talked this long without a Mizzou game. Yeah, we're talkers.
1: You know, I I think we obviously need to win Saturday Mm -hmm. versus Vanderbilt. I think we obviously can win. I don't expect to see Horn start this game. I don't either. I do expect to see him play. Well, I don't. So we'll see who's right. Let me just end the show, I guess, with a question. Say Horn plays hypothetically. Mm-hmm. Say he doesn't play particularly well. Mm-hmm. What is it? What do you take from that?
0: Um, not much. I mean, he is a freshman. Yeah. He is he well, but do you continue
1: left. to give him these opportunities?
0: Absolutely. Now, if Cook starts playing well, which won't happen, but if he did, then there's no reason to give him opportunities. I don't know what the outcry from the internet is about. My outcry is I want to win football games, and so as if Cook becomes the way to do that, then I'm all for Cook. But right now he's terrible, and so I want Horn. If Cook starts playing well, then fuck it. I don't. If Horn ever sees the the field the rest of the season, I don't care. Again, I don't. I'm not rooting for Sam Horn. I'm rooting for the Missouri Tigers.
1: I have a prediction that this in this game that Cook will start, and that you know he's going to have one of Mizzou's patented sideline to sideline throws. Mm-hmm. That instead of going for a 12 yard loss as it tends to do during, against good teams. Luther Burden or Dominic Lovett is going to shimmy and shake mm-hmm. and run it back for like 80 yards, an 80 yard touch. It's going to show up on Cook's line as an 80 yard touchdown pass. Mm-hmm. And then from here on out, we'll hear about how great he is. Did you see the 80 yard touchdown pass?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I can definitely see that. That is a that is something you would get on Twitter.
1: That is the apologist excuse. So anyway, good luck Tigers. Happy homecoming to everybody. you Look, I've eaten as much dog as I can eat.